today, I have one big goal. I want you to see where your responsibility begins and where God's ends. Or where God's responsibility begins and ends and where yours begins. There's a sermon I did like that several years ago. People get confused and they think God's responsible for everything in my life. Everything that happens to me, everything that doesn't happen for me is because of God. He didn't do something right. I argue with you that's not really true. And I want to show you today uh, that God really wants you to be involved. What happens in your life today is a result of something you participated in. And that may be hard to admit that my marriage is here potentially because of what I helped create. My finances, my health. A lot of our health issues are tied to choices we've made food we eat, habits we have, lack of sleep, lack of rest, lack of um, exercise. We, we burn ourselves out. And so my big question for today is how much of my life outcome is because of something God did? And I, I noticed I left that in the plural because when I gave this to the staff, I didn't catch it, but I, 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 I meant to say because of God's... Um, God's lack of involvement or God, something, because it shows possession. And somehow in my head, even though I didn't finish it out, but in my head, we tend to make it God's issue. I'm not, if we want a husband, well, God, when are you going to send him? As if it's God's issue. I'm not married because God didn't send me the person. Is that really true? Or maybe there are other factors. Maybe you were distracted in your life so long you missed the right train. Or maybe you've been so busy with work. Or maybe, 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 maybe. I don't know. But is it really all God's issue? Or is it yours? How much of my life result, result is tied to because of God or how much of it is because of me? If you can balance that out and be fair, you might find an interesting piece of... Uh, joy as we talk about this this week I realize that there are reasons and so what I want to do is lay out a case the first thing I want to show you is that there's a part God plays in building my future and then I want to show you there's a personal part that we all play so let's talk about God's part and there's a verse Psalms 127 verse 1 that says it very simply unless the Lord builds the house they who labor in vain build it the labor they labor in vain build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. If you try to build something on your own without God's involvement, you will run into all kinds of roadblocks. But if we're honest, that's how we normally build. We meet the person, we fall in love, and then we pray about it. We pick the direction, we spend our money, and we don't pray until we run out. There's, there's, a, there's a sort of a invite God in at the end thing. Unless the Lord builds the house, he says, unless the Lord builds the church, unless the Lord's involved in this, unless we invite him in on the front end, we're laboring in vain. Even if you're trying to watch out for traps, if you're watching alone and he's not involved in the process, then you're watching in vain. There is a part that God plays. 
I love that verse. But there is a part that we all play. And it's tied to a verse, Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, that basically says, whatsoever a man sows, that's what he reaps. Now, it, because you're not into agriculture, you, didn't, that can miss, you can miss that because you don't have to grow your food. You go buy it at the grocery store. But when you live in an environment where you really have to grow your food, it, it's different. Uh, it, it, it's a different mindset because you, you connect the animal that's walking around outside with beef. You see it. I, I didn't realize how cityfied I am uh, because um, I don't like to eat anything that just died. I want to go to the store and buy it, packaged. And in my head, I can imagine this chicken never walked. This wing is not really a wing. It's just a wing. It's a hot wing. It's not a wing. Nobody ever flapped it. I like that. I like that in my head. I do. I, I enjoy that fantasy. I, I remember one of our members came to me, and he, he brought me some deer meat. And I, I'm not really uh, eat whilst people. How do you eat deer meat? Raise your hand. You're like, go oh, look at my members. Help God. <laughs> and, and so, so I guess when you go on the side of the road, you go, mm, look at that. <laughs> I'll come right back around. And see if I can anybody. <laughs> put him in here. <laughs> Sandwich tonight. Okay. But, you know, <laughs> I know you're not like that. But anyway, so, you know, but he brought me this. He had it. And he was so excited to Pastor Rick right back in the back of the church. I remember where I was standing. And he, oh, he's got, and I, I made it just perfect. And it's just, I was, I was going to try it until he showed me the picture. And here's what you're going to eat. I thought, I said, I'm, look, I'm not eating that, man. I, look, that's over. Thank you. I couldn't tell. Look, I can't look in his eyes. Like, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> if you took me deer hunting, you'd have to, you'd have to pray I didn't run. I'd say, run, they're going to kill you. <laughs> I just, I just, citified, just came. But there's something, there's something about understanding when you connect this with that, that's a good thing. Whatever I sow, plant in the ground, that's what I get. So, so the question is, what are you sowing and, and what's the, what's, what does he say will happen? Here's what he says, Galatians 6 and 7. Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man, whatever, whatever, whatever it is, a man sows, that he will also reap. If you sow to the flesh, you will of the flesh reap corruption. When people hear that term in the Bible, they think it's like your skin. We're not talking about your skin. The word, the word really in the Greek has to do more with your natural carnal tendencies. You just do what's natural to you. You see him even though you're not married to him, you know you're not supposed to, nobody's looking, look both ways, have a little fellowship, that's flesh. You say something to me I don't like, I cuss you a few minutes, tell you that's meet outside, come on, say that's flesh, come on. Flesh is this, oh no you don't. No, really? Well, let me just see. That's flesh. See? <laughs> Reaching in jacket, threatening people, 
bullying people, talking down people, comparing yourself with people, using your strengths and condemning their weaknesses, taunting people. That's flesh. And here's what he says. If you walk, if you sow to the flesh, you will reap corruption. Everything around you will start corrupting. Relationships, friendships, finances, the whole thing starts to just erode. And you don't know why. But it's because you're sowing to the natural tendencies that aren't necessarily good for you, that live inside of all of us. But he who sows to the spirit will reap everlasting life. And, and you can miss that too because you'll think that's uh, God's talking about getting to heaven. And this everlasting life is far more than that. It's a quality of life you get when you follow the Holy Spirit. That's what he's talking about. When I follow what the Holy Spirit would say, when I listen to that voice that says, don't, don't do that. Don't, don't say that. Don't, don't go over there. Don't, 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 don't sign that. You don't need that. When you listen to that voice, the quality of your life goes up. That's what he's talking about. The problem is we get tired of doing what's right. It just feels good to do bad sometimes. So he says, let us not grow, verse 9 of Galatians 6, grow weary while doing good. For in due season, if we wait, we will reap. We'll graduate. We'll get out of school. We'll get out of debt. We'll get out of the circumstance. Things will change. Our health will improve if we don't stop walking and eating right and resting and pausing and thinking it through and waiting and giving. If we do that, we'll reap life changes. Business gets better. More people come, they join. You'll pay it off, you'll get there. But if you get tired of doing it the right way and you keep sowing to the flesh, you reap slowly, over time, corruption. And some of us are living in corruption and if we're really honest, we help build it. Now that's an honest moment. The future that you're in now the present that you're in now was your future in the past. But that's not what's important, really. It's what's in front of you now. What are you building today? You can spend all your life dwelling on that. Or you can say, I've got a part in this. I love the way John 14, 16 kind of ties this all together because in this verse, here's what he says. He says, I will pray the Father, Jesus said, and he will send, give you another helper. The word comforter in the King James. And the word means someone called alongside to help you. And again, he makes the point, I'm not doing it all. This is not a one-way train. You, are, you have a part in this. And if you make the right decisions, you'll have a different result. But if you expect me to do it all, you're wrong. And that's what the New American Commentary basically says. And I love the way it's kind of an old English kind of word. He says the, the meaning of these verses, John 14, 16 through 17, points to the intended harmony of, of humans or people. Of, and the spirit working together in a mission-like mindset where we are working toward a mission. You and I. Now, here's the question. What does that look like? I have this thing that I do which really helps me. I, 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 and you might, this, it may seem strange, but it's what I do. It works for me. I think, what do I want to look like? When I look in the mirror, when I look at my money, when I look at my car, my house, my my, um, my bathroom counter, my closet, my shoes, my clothes.
clothes, my jacket. Do I want to match or not match? Do I care? It may not matter. You know, it's amazing how you, you, you don't realize if you, it, it's, it's okay to, to have a vision in your mind about your life. And, and it all matters. All my life matters. My whole life, my whole life matters. Everything about me, and you know, do I, when I look at my feet, do I want to let, one time I, I told a story about how, you know, I, I was walking, I was just hurting, my feet were hurting, I was like, what in the world? I was just, ho- 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 I was up here preaching, I was hobbling, just kind of hobbling, and I was like, who that, 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 oh, don't, 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 don't walk this way, no, 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 that, ow, my goodness, and you know, and it looked, looked like crocodile feet. So I started lotioning them. Because I looked down, I said, crocodile, Jesus, that's not what I see. Now, that may seem small to you, but, but next time you see somebody hobbling, you'll say, you need to all your feet, brother. <laughs> small things, small things cause big problems because here's what it boils down to. You're not taking care of the whole of you. The whole of you is hurting and cracking and popping and falling apart, and no one's pausing and saying, I need to make sure that I'm, I am, I am, this is the person I want to be. When I look in the mirror, when I look at myself, when I, I want to be that person, not this person. And, I, and that's my future. And I determine that. It's not my husband's job. It's not my wife's job. It's not my children's job. It's my job. What does Ricky Temple want to be? And a lot of times married people have a hard time doing that. For some reason, because you're one flesh, you think that that means that there's no individual responsibility. A lot of times you could be married to a person, listen to this, who's doing, who's sewing well, and you could be sewing badly, and, and their life can be growing in the right direction, and, and yours can be going in the wrong, and you can end up pulling each other down. I've seen people, one person saving money, a person spending money. One person's trying to be healthy, and the next person's eating anything they want, and then they end up push, having to push this person around. Because this person didn't take care of themselves. And it becomes this very painful reality. It's like, come on, try. And they go, well, I'm trying. No, you're not. And if you're not careful, you, you need to, I, I want Diane. This is, so, this is so important to me. What do you see for yourself, Miss Temple? Because as a pastor's wife, you start living through the preacher guy. I do not want Christine and Ricky. I do not want them to live through me. I want them to have their own money, their own identity, their own value, their own goals. And I don't try to push them. You know, some people ask me, so is Ricky going to be the next pastor? No. You know what he'd say? No. He says, your life is one big term paper. I do not want to be a big term paper. Is that a bad thing? No. I want him to, what is your dream, dude? Let me ride your wagon with you. Let me pray with you. Let me believe God with you. God will take care of the church. I don't need to force this. I see preachers trying to force their children to be the pastor. It's a bad decision if he's not qualified or called. And I I just think there's something about allowing people to breathe, opening your heart and life and saying, what do you want? What is your dream? And, and, And letting them understand if you see it in your mind, it's a lot easier to go in that direction. That's my future. 
Lift your hand with me. Say it with me. Come on. Say, what is, what is my future? My future. I want to close and I want to give you some final thoughts. I call building a future myths. These are things that people tell you that aren't true. They're myths. And sometimes you um, find that you believe something, and I've done this so long, so many times. I believe something that just didn't turn out to be true long term. And here's one of the first myths I want you to think about. Repeat it with me, please. Say, my future, my future is based on love. There's a guy who had a lot of issues in his life. Seneca is his name. He was the advisor to Nero, by the way. Nero's closest advisor. He lived during the time of Christ, as a matter of fact, from B.C. 4 to A.D. 64. And this guy um, made a comment. He said, luck is when preparation meets opportunity. Luck is when preparation meets opportunity. Basically, there's no luck. When an opportunity comes and you're prepared, it works out. Let's say a person becomes an actor and they go, oh, I was in the right place at the right time. And all of a sudden they saw me and, okay, but, but you could act though. Or I was in the right place at the right time and I sang the national anthem and they heard me and asked me for a record deal. But you can sing. I could be in the same place, sing the national anthem, and they wouldn't call me back. You don't need to laugh too loud at that, okay? <laughs> but but, but that's, not, that's not my gift. I mean, I can pastor sing. That's, you know what I mean? Lead worship or something. Hear a couple of good notes. But that's not like an, a, 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 a record deal. Preparation meets opportunity. A lot of you, opportunity comes, but you weren't prepared for it and couldn't even recognize it. I even, shh, single people, I even think that's true when it comes to finding a mate. Your brain's in the wrong place. You're looking for the wrong kind of guy and the wrong kind of girl and the wrong kind of person. And you can't even recognize your wife. I know that ain't her. She's too plain. I need a hot mama. And you get a hot mama and she smoke you up. You can't even recognize. You can't recognize a good guy, a good girl. You can't. Your mind is in the wrong place. You can't recognize a good deal, a good business deal. You can't recognize. It's money. is money. Listen to me. Money is all around you. It really is. But you can't, you can't get a minimum wage deal going. Why? Could it not be that you are not prepared? And that's what parents do. That's what school systems are supposed to do. They're supposed to prepare you. Education is not about passing tests. I love this new book I'm reading. Ah, see, he's always reading a new book. Why? Wow. It's called A Bigger Prize. I'm going to have to put it up on my website. It's not up there yet, but it's A Bigger Prize. It's by Margaret Heffernan. It's my second book by Margaret Heffernan. I've enjoyed her last book. I don't know if you read it or not, called Willful Blindness. But I'm just on a Margaret Heffernan ride right now. But in this book, she talks a lot about education. And it's really powerful because she says we, 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 we set standards for people and we assume that if they can pass a test, that proves they're educated. But what they don't learn sometimes is critical thinking. And they don't enjoy the process of education, the process of learning. So they can't figure out their life issues. They can't figure out how to work through a problem. They can't work. That's why married couples can't work through issues. You're not, you're not, you're not, you learn how to kiss and hug and, and roll around in the sheets. And that's easy work. That's like going to the gym. 
the hard work, it'll catch you in a minute. It, the hard work is the slow work of relationship and communication and forgiveness and thinking through things, raising children who are not easy to raise. And so there's this tremendous value in understanding that I must prepare to meet opportunity. And for you students, that's what it's about. And good teachers get that. I want you to be prepared when the opportunity comes. This opportunity came to be the pastor of this church, but I had to have a certain level of, and I mean this with great love, and I don't mean anything, just take this in, in, in humility. When I met Diane, I was sized up. I was. I was sized up, and if I, if I came in like this, I, I wouldn't be here today. Yeah, what's up? You know what I'm saying? I'm glad Joe praise Jesus is GD. And the big man rolling. Cluse. Then I would have said, okay. Good to see you, bro. I mean, what's your name? Is there anything wrong with being cool and colloquial? No. That just wasn't what this opportunity needed. You with me? If I met Diane and she did this, mm, hot chocolate. <laughs> what in the world? God bless you too, sister. <laughs> Am I prepared for the opportunities that God will bring to me? It's not going to be just luck, something that happens. I just stumble upon the right person. There's something about you understanding that it's all about being prepared to meet those opportunities. And when they come, it's a profound thing. I love this verse, Psalm, Psalm 37, 23. Psalm 37, 23. Let me, let me just turn there real quick. I want to I read this to you. I, I think sometimes we, 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 don't, we don't realize how powerful the word is and how powerful... Um, it, it is when you, when, you, when you hear God's word come alive and you think, you know, it's sometimes you, sometimes you, 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 want, you want the Lord to, to bless you and you're praying for God to bless you. And he's saying, you know, I really want to bless you. But I, I, I don't know that I, I can. I don't know that it's even possible for me to bless you. And um, what I love about devices is when they work, they work. And uh, everybody say, Come on, technology. Come on, technology. It's <laughs> really cool is um, I, when I get up here, I cut off my, my Wi-Fi so nobody can email. Because people have emailed me during my sermons. And uh, when they email me during my sermons, they say, are you preaching? I want to say, what do you think? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> of, course, of course I am. And um, what did I say, Proverbs, Matthew, Proverbs, Psalms 1? 37 and what? 23. For the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And his delight is in his way. The, the steps, the direction, it's not luck. It's not just some accidental something that just kind of happens. So that's the first myth. My future is based on luck. Number two, second uh, myth is my future cannot be changed. That is a lie we often believe. 
that my future cannot be changed. It can be changed. What is meant to be will be, you think. The story of Jonah tells a different truth. Jonah goes to Nineveh and he prophesies to them that God's going to destroy the entire city. But there's a statement made in Jonah chapter 3, verse 10, where the Bible says God saw their works. What did God see? Notice, what changes everything is, thing is what you do. It's not what you did, it's what you do. God saw their what? Works. And then when he saw their works, that they turned. Big statement. The word repentance is about turning. It's not about saying I'm sorry. It has nothing to do with, oh, I'm sorry, you know, I really apologize. No, it's turning. It's a turn. I was going this way, and now I've turned. That's what repentance means. I'm going that way now in a totally different direction. He says this. God saw their works that they turned from their evil way. And God relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them. And he did not do it. Matter of fact, that's what made Jonah mad with God. My life can change. My marriage, my money, my finances, my health, my world, my church. Everything can change. My future is not locked into some place that cannot be changed. That's what being born again is all about. Jesus looked at Nicodemus. Truly, truly, I say unto you, unless you're born again, your life can be different. You can wake up and the things that plagued you no longer even come to your mind. You can, you can sometimes, and that's what happens after you change your life and you see this change, you wake up one day and you can, I can't believe I lived that way all those years. I can't believe I, I was high and drunk and out of my mind and, and lusting and running around. And, and, but beyond all that, angry, uh, uh, holding grudges, uh, low self-image, all these years, afraid of school, afraid of learning, afraid of a book, afraid, 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 mad with the church, mad with, frustrated by all those years. And imagine you wake up in a new house with a new life, with a new future, and you're happy. Let, let, me, let, me, let, me, just, let me tell you something that, just to give you, some of you entrepreneurs something to dream about. Imagine the day you wake up and you're not having to work for somebody. That you actually get to do today what you want to do. And get paid. Imagine that. Imagine that one day it's not, it's not, that's not an issue. See, in our church, when I look at our future, if I can digress for a minute, I see a church that doesn't have any reason to be manipulative. Neither met bills are paid, resources, wealth-building people who are not trying to come up with the next financial scheme. There, there's, imagine a group of people whose whole life is about finding people who need help and being able to help them, being able to go to the need, being able to say, we did this, we did that, we helped here, we helped there, and it be part of how we live. Raising up entrepreneurs who start their own businesses and then they fund efforts and become this incredible philanthropic, there's a big word, philanthropic, gift-giving people who live 
and who become like a friend of mine whose name is Karunja. I got to bring him here. Karunja goes to a church in 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 um, in Atlanta, whose name I can't remember, but it's an old like a Presbyterian church downtown. And and he told me this incredible story. He said, you know, our church um, had a mission in Kenya. And they just sent people to this one group of people in Kenya. And I was one of the boys in Kenya. And then they sponsored me over here. And I went to school. And then I got my doctorate degree, my PhD, and now I'm the professor of this college. But it all started with the church in Kenya. And so now he goes to that church. And he talks about how they're expanding. He says, well, we're building, but we already saved the money. I thought, you're kidding me. And then they're not building a bigger sanctuary. I thought, well, what are you going to do? they got this big building program. They're building stuff to help people. They've got this vision, and it's, it's, it's like it's not a big deal. It, it, the way he describes it, it's like we just kind of do that. No gimmicks, no games, no tricks. That's the future I want. I just want to help people. But it's not going to happen if you believe the lies. It's just love. And once it's fixed, it can't change. Old dog can't learn new tricks. Well, you know, that's just how, the, that's how it is in the temple family. All the men just get drunk. Just drunk. We just chase women. And we tell our little boys, you're going to be a lover. And we raise up this culture and this lie. But I say, we can have a better future than that. Can I get an amen? Amen. But it's all tied to one last thing. One last myth that we're told. That my future is tied to God's will, not my effort or my abilities. There's a verse in Matthew 7 that just says something so profound. It's what you ask for. It's what you seek for. It's what you knock on. That's what determines what you get. Ask and it will be given to you, Matthew 7, 7. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Everyone, not just some, everyone, what did he say? One more time. What did he say? Everyone who asks receives. Now, here's the question. Well, does that mean everything I ask for? No. You shouldn't be asking for stuff. Like, for example, I shouldn't be asking to be the boxing heavyweight champion of the world. That's not going to happen. Not because I don't have talent, but you understand. It's, <laughs> that's not what I need to be asking for. The assumption is you're asking for stuff that makes sense, and you're asking for stuff that, 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 that's tied to your gifting and ability. But everyone who can ask, and everyone who seeks, and everyone who knocks receives. Everyone. You are involved in this process. And, but God ties it, and this is not in your notes, but God ties it to your ability. Write this down, Matthew 25, 15. You ready? Matthew 25, 15. Parable of the, parable of the talents. Matthew 25, 15. The, the guy comes in. He has a measurement of money. He lines up three guys and says, you get, you get five talents, you get three talents, you get one talent. And the Bible says in verse 15 of Matthew 25, he gave the money to them based on their ability. He looked at them and said, okay, guys, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I want you to measure, monitor, measure this for me, but it's, it's based on your strength. 
this imagine for a second you have you have three thousand you have let's make it ten thousand dollars and and you have three friends get them in your mind ready three friends three friends and oh let's make it interesting you have a hundred thousand let's make it really fun and what you're going to do is you're going to give your money to these three people now some of you say i know who's going to get the one thousand make it your children you know right away if you give this friend or this child that's that hundred thousand that it'll be gone by the end of the day, mall. They'll find a way, a car, a mall. They said two trips, one to the car the lot and one to the mall, and it's over. Some of you say, no, I know who I'd give the most to. And you know, you know what that's going to be based on? Ability. That person's capacity. You can't just say, it's because of God I'm here. That's a myth. You have to admit, maybe I haven't asked. Maybe I haven't been seeking in the right places. And maybe I haven't been knocking on the right doors. And maybe I haven't improved my abilities. I'm asking for stuff I don't have the ability to manage. I'm seeking in areas I am totally unfamiliar with. There's a rule of business I love that Warren Buffett says. Don't get in any business you don't understand. Knock on stuff that makes sense. There's something about being clear about that. If you can, if you can just for a moment get in your mind, my responsibility is God's responsibility. My job, God's job. And, and, and stick with your part. God wants to bring you opportunity. Well, here's the painful part. It hurts when you're trying to hire people for a job. And I've hired hundreds. And when you hire people and you interview them and they are not prepared for what they want. They're asking God for things, but you're not prepared to be a pastor because you just, your view of women, your sexual attitudes are so out of control. How could he ever trust you? How could he ever trust you? Boy, boy, that's hard. Look at the preacher. I'm talking to you. Come on, look at me. It's hard to trust you. You don't trust yourself. No boundaries, no limits. You want him to trust you with money. He says, well, come on, now, wait a minute. What are you doing with the 10000 you got? You want him to trust you with people, but you're mean. When you're mad, you're out of control. You can't control the bottle. Listen to me. You can't control a liquid. But you want to control the world, the fortune, the company. The weed controls your life. Cigarettes. You know, you feel it. This isn't good for me. But are you asking for help? Are you seeking to change? Are you knocking on doors to change this? Or have you accepted it? Have you said nothing can change? See, it's one thing to read a Bible verse and hear a sermon. It's another thing to take it and apply it to your life. Let me pray for you. Lift your hand. Father, we pray today for a future. We want to build a future. We want to change the direction of our lives. We want you to hear us. We're asking this morning. We're seeking this morning. We're knocking this morning. 
we're, in, we're engaging in an exercise of change. I, I want this church to be a tool in the hand of God to make the world better. I want our motives to be pure. I want us to be strong and holy. Pray for those, Lord God, who are here who are home, who really need to invite you, to ask you, to touch their lives. And so, God, today I declare, today we thank you. We praise you. Now, with every hand down, every head bowed for a moment, you say, Pastor, after hearing today's message, what you said spoke to me. And what I need to do in order to get my life right is I need to first acknowledge, I need to ask for forgiveness. I need to ask you to be the Lord of my life. So I'm going to pray a prayer. I want you to think about this prayer when I pray it and see if this prayer applies to you. Lord, I come to you today believing that you love me and that I need you in my life. In a real way, I have not been serving you, but I want to serve you starting today. I ask you, I seek your presence in my life. I knock on the door of heaven and say, come into my life today. I'm not going to be perfect overnight, but you can help me change. I ask you today to be the Lord of my life from this day forward. In Jesus' name. With every head bowed, every eye closed. If that prayer was for you, that's the prayer you know you need to pray. I want you to raise your hand and say, that's my prayer. I, I claim that prayer. That's the prayer I pray. I see your hand. Anybody else? That's the prayer. I see your hand. Anybody else? That's the prayer. That's the prayer. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. That's it. Just put your hand up. Put it right back down. That's the prayer, Pastor. That's the prayer. Father, I pray for all who raised their hand and many who raised their heart today, home and here. Let this be the beginning of a new life for them, a new day where their lives change and where you guide them to a new place. And we thank you for them. In Jesus' name. Everyone say amen. At the end of the service, I'm going to invite all.